the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here, host of Pioneer State Radio, broadcasting from my office in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area. I uh, am sitting here in my office. It seems to be a pretty nice day. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm heading over with my family to Denaire in the Central Valley because I have a niece that's having her birthday party there. And um, I'll be having a pool party at uh, her parents' uh, new house that they purchased over there that has a very nice pool. I plan on going over there and sitting around with the adults and solving the problems of the world. And I think that's a good thing to do. Uh, cute, uh, cute niece that I have. I think that this particular niece is turning, um, turning nine. So uh, it will be her ninth birthday party that we're celebrating. Her birthday is very close to my birthday. Uh, My birthday is actually today. Today, I'm officially no longer 65 years of age. I'm now, ooh, 66 years of age. You know what? I don't feel any different than I felt yesterday. And and, uh, I actually don't celebrate birthdays anymore. I'm sure that... Uh, many of you out there, as you get to a certain age, you say, you know what, I just don't want to keep uh, making a big deal about this thing called a birthday um, because I'm very much a believer that you, to a large part, you are as old as you think you are. And uh, even though I'm the age I am now and even though I am I'm dealing with recovering from uh, a stroke from uh, about five, six months ago, uh, and getting better and better uh, every week. It's taking taking time, but every week I get a little bit better. And after a couple of weeks, I look back and I go, okay, well, I can do that a little more than I could before. This seems to be a little bit easier. And I know I still have a lot ahead of me, but I am moving forward. Um, I really haven't stopped practicing at all. And uh, I haven't really cut back on my practice at all. If anything... I'm busier now than I was six months ago, which is a good thing. But um, I always have room to take on more clients to assist them with their estate planning. If uh, you would like to have a free consultation with me, you can always go to my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. Click on the book a call button that's right near the top of the front page, the home page. 
and it will take you into my calendar where you can book a call of all different kinds. It could be for estate planning, it could be for probate or trust administration because because you have uh, someone who has passed away and they had a will or no will or they had a trust and now things need to be, need to be handled with that. Uh, or you want to go to court to either gather assets in that uh, should have been in the trust but um, aren't in the trust. It's called the Hegstat Petition. Or you've decided that um, the trust that you have, that's an irrevocable trust, um, maybe needs to be modified in some way. And everybody involved with the trust agrees that would be a good idea. So I can handle all those kinds of things. And uh, it all starts with booking a call with me through my website. Now I will take calls today if anybody would like to call in to ask a question on the air. The number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And I'll start the show now by leading off with a uh, pretty simple question, but I'm sure that uh, this has happened before in the lives of some people out there, and they're not really sure what the answer is. So this person out of Sacramento said, I have a signed trust. The trustee and I signed it in 2015. Can a notary notarize it today? I know a notary is not required for a trust here in California, and that is true. You do not have to have a trust document notarized in California. Uh, some parts of the country it has to be notarized or even witnessed um, rather than notarized. Uh, but people still do get notaries. My practice is to have all trust documents notarized. It adds another layer of of um, authenticity to the document because it is not just a signature there, but a signature that has been uh, compared with ID put into a notary's journal who then notarizes the signature of the person or uh, acknowledges that uh, they signed it. Um, but the question is, will 2015 signing date or the date the notary notarizes be the effective date? It's the date it was signed. Even if it is notarized, uh, in this case, several years later, uh, the date it was signed is the effective date of the trust. Notarization doesn't add anything to that other than to give another layer of authenticity to the trust document and to the signatures of um, who, whoever uh, the signatures of the people who signed it if their signatures are in fact notarized by a notary public. Okay, so moving on here. Okay, uh, oh, this is an interesting one. My aunt set up a trust 30 years ago and she gave all control of her finances to some sort of firm that I believe no longer exists. I'm her only living relative. She's in a care facility, unable to make her own decisions, but there's a problem with her bank and auto payment to the facility. Can I do anything? Well, if the aunt set up a trust, chances are pretty good that the aunt, uh, if her accounts are in the trust ownership, and the question is, who's the successor trustee of the trust? If the aunt can no longer make her own decisions, 
um, then that would be the first thing to look to. Let's see who's in charge. If those people are gone, then this person might be able to petition the court to get appointed uh, as the successor trustee of the Ants Trust in order to take over handling um, her bank account and, and things like that, assuming it's owned by the trust. If it's not, then this person could petition the court to be appointed the conservator for her aunt. The problem is these people are in Oakland, and uh, unless the Oakland court permits uh, an emergency um, appointment, uh, Oakland is taking several months to get into court to do anything, and uh, and so, but that would be the thing. I would tell this person first thing to do: contact an estate planning attorney in Oakland or Alameda County, and find out what needs to be done and how quickly it can be done. That kind of information changes constantly because uh, the court systems keep changing because of COVID. Uh, increases in infection rates, decreases in infection rates, and so on. Um, we here in the Bay Area, you know what I'm talking about. We've been living through this since the middle of March of last year. Um, who would have thought that a couple of weeks to bend the curve would turn into a year and a half or more? Uh, but here we are today, still dealing with this, still dealing with masks uh, inside businesses, indoors, Masks in the courts, many courtrooms completely shut down, only attending by Zoom meetings, no no in-person. There are even certain types of court actions that have been completely um, blocked now by the courts. But uh, coming up on the first break, after the break, I will continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. If you'd like to call in, it's 800-516-1220. But no one calling in. I will continue with questions and comments from around the state. This is attorney Bob Bergman. See you on the other side of the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue more questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, I'm going to go now to Riverside. And this might actually uh, not be an uncommon situation. Um, This person said, I found a letter from a bank that was dated 2019 with a trust account number and copy of a death certificate saying that my daughter had a trust account made for her and the person died in the year 2000. Apparently the letter was sent to my mother's address who then kept it from us. We have no idea how much is in that account. We went to the bank. They said they can't find the account. Is it too late for my children to claim it? Um, So... So basically, it went to the grandmother's address. Um, If it's been that long and it was not claimed, then the bank has likely turned it over to the unclaimed property department at the state in Sacramento. Um, People don't necessarily know, uh, but I'm going to share with you now that you can actually have 
property that is not claimed by somebody. That could be because there was no probate every file, uh, ever filed. Person died, nobody know who the heirs were, nobody actually filed a probate or anything like that. And eventually, that money, if it's in a financial institution, it will turn over to the state of California, which will then register often the amount of the money, where it came from, and whose name it was in. So for these people, I would, I would tell this person, go to unclaimed property at the state. You can do an internet search, find that. Type in the name of the person you're searching for and see if anything shows up. In this case, if it shows up under the, the daughter's name, and it shows the name of the uh, of the bank or other financial institution as being the one that turned the money over, then you can follow procedure to actually claim that property. You'll have a sense of how much it is, and uh, and then a procedure can be followed to claim it. Um, you have to document you're the one entitled to it. It doesn't it doesn't really necessarily go through the probate process. Instead, it goes through the procedure that unclaimed property has. And that would be what the person could do uh, here. And I'm back. Sorry, I dropped some papers on the floor. Had to pick them up so I could move on here. All right. Uh, this is out of Newport Beach, California. Person says, my sister-in-law is part owner of a property uh, which could be sold at any time. She receives my brother's Social Security benefits after he passed away. After she sells the property, she wants to divide $1.2 million between herself and the four children. How can she divide the money and also not forfeit her Social Security? Well, if she's receiving her deceased husband's Social Security... That is not needs-based in any way. It's a function of the Social Security law. Uh, she could be receiving that Social Security if she had $50 million in the bank. I mean, so um, she's not going to forfeit Social Security by selling this property and dividing the money um, between herself and, I guess, her four children. Uh, strictly speaking, at, at that level... She would need to file or legally needs to file a gift tax return telling the Internal Revenue Service that she made gifts of uh, equaling 80% of $1.2 million to her four children. She would not owe any gift tax, though, because the lifetime exclusion for gifts is $11.7 million right now. And uh, this person would not have any gift tax that would have to be paid to the uh, to the federal government. But uh, it's not going to affect the Social Security because Social Security is not given to you based on uh, you having financial need. It's earned. It's a kind of like a pension that's earned. And uh, basically, when a spouse passes away, the surviving spouse, uh, if the spouse who passes away was receiving Social Security, the surviving spouse can actually start receiving the Social Security of the spouse that died. 
Uh, even if the surviving spouse is not eligible to receive Social Security, uh, they would receive the Social Security. Um, and then if the surviving spouse becomes eligible to receive Social Security themselves, then they have to choose between which Social Security check they're going to receive. Well, clearly, if, if someone was in a lower-paying job and their spouse that died was in a much higher-paying job, the Social Security check is going to be higher if there was a higher-paying job. So you'd probably opt to keep the higher check and not ever uh, claim the lower check. Okay, here's a question about basic wording when transferring real estate into a living trust. If husband and wife are both trustees of the family revocable trust, does it matter whether we refer to ourselves as trustees or co-trustees for the vesting information on the deed? Our trust documents tell us co-trustees in a couple of places, but as trustees seems to be more common language. I lean towards co-trustees um, because that makes it clear that their number one is more than one trustee. Um, and and it, it is, I think it's more clear than just saying as trustees, but either would be acceptable in titling any asset, not just real estate, but a bank account, a brokerage account, or anything else where you could actually have a title document that shows who the owner of the property is. Here the person said, my mother's still alive. My brother is in charge of my mother's trust. Are we entitled to get a copy of my mother's trust? The answer to that is yes, no, or maybe. Yes, if your mother says, Yes, you may have a copy of my trust and provides it or directs your brother to provide a copy. No, as a matter of law, you can't insist on a copy. And maybe would be if for some reason you believe that the brother was engaged in improper actions dealing with mom's trust, then going to court to complain about that may end up having a copy of the trust provided in the course of going to court and fighting about it, and then you would get a copy of the trust. So that's uh, kind of the short answer for all of that. Coming up on the mid-show break today here on Plan Your State Radio, I hope you stay for the balance of the show today. Um, I feel pretty good about the show. Hopefully you do too. So we'll talk with you after the mid-show break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the second half of our show today. Want to remind you all, if you, if you haven't heard the show before, every now and then I mention the fact that this show is rebroadcast on Saturday afternoons at 3 o'clock and Tuesday evening starting at 6 o'clock in the evening. So if you miss the first part of the show, you can always listen to it again uh, Saturday afternoon at 3 or Tuesday evening at 6, or you can go to kdow.biz, B I Z 
and look for my podcast, Plan Your State Radio, where you can listen to this show and also uh, several dozen past shows are uh, on on the uh, website there, uh, all rendered as podcasts. You can even subscribe to the podcast feed so you'll always get uh, shows uh, right after they're broadcast. They will be, uh, links will go to you so you can listen to them. Okay, uh, let's see. Here's someone asking out of Los Angeles. Uh, said, I established an irrevocable trust 10 years ago in my name. I am the trustee of that trust. Um, there was an auto accident I was involved in and someone was injured. Uh, the injured plaintiff plans to sue my insurance company and possibly me. That was a year and a half ago. Are my assets protected in California because I'm the trustee of my own irrevocable trust? Well, likely no. Because if you set up an irrevocable trust in California using your own property for your own benefit, that's first of all a grantor trust under the tax law, but it's also what we call a self-settled trust. The person who created the trust is called the settlor, and settling is basically transferring property into the trust. Self-settled means you're using your own property to transfer into the trust. Now, the typical revocable living trust is a self-settled trust because you set it up, you put your own property in it for your benefit, maybe for the benefit of some others, but primarily for your benefit. Making it an irrevocable trust doesn't protect you because if it's a self-settled trust, there is literally no asset protection here in California for a self-settled irrevocable trust. So it's not going to help this person at all that they have an irrevocable trust that they set up with their own property. Now, an irrevocable trust set up for their benefit by somebody else is not a self-settled trust. It's a third-party trust, meaning someone other than the party of the first part, that's the, the beneficiary, someone other than the beneficiary set up the trust to uh, provide for the beneficiary. Uh, that's where you could have asset protection, depending on how that irrevocable trust happens to be drafted. Most of them would likely provide at least some asset protection against lawsuits, especially a lawsuit like this. Uh, if it's been a year and a half um, that kind of raises uh, what we call a statute of limitations question, uh, whether or not um, a lawsuit has to be filed. Uh, I don't recall right now what the time limit is for filing a lawsuit for uh, personal injury where you've been injured. I think it may be one year. It might be two years. might even be three years. I, I don't work in that particular field, but that's something to look at. If it's past the time to file a lawsuit, then they can't sue you anymore uh, because they waited too long. And uh, the failure to comply with the statute of limitations is pretty much a complete defense to being sued unless they could prove that 
uh, you interfered in some way with them filing the lawsuit, which would be really kind of hard to prove that. Um, in any event, that's, um, that irrevocable trust set up by the person with their own property is not going to provide any asset protection. A court will completely ignore that trust and its existence and say that the property inside belongs to the person who created the trust, which means it can be subject to being taken by a creditor. Now here's one, okay. My cousin, we'll call her Jane, was named in an irrevocable trust um, that my grandmother set up, who's still alive. Her daughter, my Aunt Judy, set it up that way years back. And what I assume they mean there is uh, Judy, grandma's daughter, who's actually this person's aunt, got grandma to set up the trust that way to leave uh, presumably everything to Judy and then on to um, and then on to the cousin um, so the aunt died a few years back and this person's mother is the last living child of grandma will my mother be out of the estate and will everything go to my cousin and the short answer is yes, if that's what the trust says is going to happen. And it could be that um, that if everything was set up to go to the cousin, then that means nothing would go to the other living child. Um, that's what would happen. Not sure why that would have been done that way unless the deceased child actually was exercising influence over her mother maybe inappropriate influence over her mother it says that mom is 106 years old and going strong wow that's all i can say is wow um but yeah if someone sets up a trust and they don't leave anything for a child that's permitted in this country it's basically called disinheritance meaning that uh your inheritance is dissed uh, <laughs> No, it means you're, you you don't get any inheritance. You have been removed or excluded from somebody's estate plan uh, to receive a distribution of any kind. And that's not an unusual thing at all. Uh, I would say in any given year, I probably have at least uh, at least five or six families where they have disinherited somebody in the family, whether it's a child whether it's uh, brothers or sisters. Uh, one case fairly recently, um, the entire family of one of my clients is stated as disinherited, meaning everybody related to that client biologically by blood uh, was specifically and explicitly disinherited. It's pretty extreme, but you can do that and people also do do that uh, on occasion. Okay. How do I petition the California Probate Court to remove or replace an executor who does nothing? I'm a beneficiary. My sibling, seems like it's always a sibling, doesn't it? Was named executor of my father's will in a copy of an old will. My sibling has lived in dad's house without paying rent 
refuses to provide accountings or sell the property and distribute assets according to the will. There's a no contest clause in the will. Not contesting the will, but the executor paid themselves with all the savings of the decedent to be shared among the beneficiaries. Okay. You petition the court, get an attorney, petition the court to have the executor removed for failure to perform their duties, and maybe at the same time, if you can prove that they paid themselves savings of the deceased parent, in other words, they took it and converted that money, we'd call it embezzlement as well, and just took all that money uh, instead of uh, doing the final thing and the final distribution and selling the property. Yeah, the court can not only remove this person as executor, but could also charge back against this sibling any money that the sibling took and have it have their distributive share of the estate reduced so that money has to be returned back into the estate and uh, and uh, there's even a possibility that the court would turn around and maybe refer the executor over to the district attorney's office um, to investigate whether they've committed a crime, uh, namely the crime of embezzlement. Uh, so it could end up being very serious with this sibling that is just ignoring everybody, won't sell the house, is just living there for free, and then took dad's money and pocketed it all while the probate is going forward and and is and nothing's happening. It tells me that there is no attorney involved, uh, but this person's just acting on their own and uh, figuring, well, I'm in charge, I can do whatever I want. It's amazing how many people actually do that and think that they can get away with that. While we're coming up on the third break of the show today. Uh, earlier this month, uh, actually just this past Saturday, I had uh, my second estate planning workshop. Uh, had about nine people attend this time. Good group. We had a good time. Everyone had fun. Very, uh, very active crowd, interactive, lots of questions at the end. Uh, I plan on doing these workshops once a month in person down here in San Jose, but I'm also working on a webinar version that once it's up, it will be available on demand. You'll be able to access to that webinar on demand through my website. I'll be putting a link there, and it'll essentially be the same workshop with the same material. So. I'll let you know when that's up and running. This is Attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll catch you after the final break for the show today. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the final segment of our show today. I'm going to continue on with more questions and comments from this great state of California. And let's dive right back in. From Canoga Park, California. Okay, my father did a will and revocable living trust when he was of sound mind. I have his general durable power of attorney. Now my father is 
mentally incapacitated, and I need to add my two brothers as beneficiaries to my father's house when he passes. Right now, I'm the only one on the trust uh, as a trustee with my brother to act for me if something should happen to me, assuming as a successor trustee. Uh, so what it appears is is that dad's trust just leaves the house to this person, doesn't leave it between the three brothers. Actually, there's three brothers. Um, now, one brother said, well, you could do a quit claim, and that's easier than trying to change the will and the trust. Uh, that would state we each get a third. I just don't understand the quit claim. Can't we just do some kind of amendment that can be attached to the will and living trust? Well, if your father is of sound mind, he could do an amendment to the trust that says divide the house three ways instead of giving it all to you. If he is no longer mentally competent, not of sound mind, then there's no way to just amend dad's trust because it actually became an irrevocable trust when your father became no longer of sound mind. He's the only one that could modify or amend it. And uh, if the intent of the whole family is that things be divided three ways, then the only real way you could accomplish it would be to inherit the property and then do a quit claim, which is basically a legal document that you record that says you are giving whatever interest that you have in real estate, in that piece of real estate, to someone else. If you got 100% and you quit claim one-third to each of your brothers and one-third to you, then you, you end up... The, three of you on the title of the property, each is a one-third owner. For the person doing the quit claim, it will be treated as a taxable gift under the Internal Revenue Code. Um, it will be a taxable gift, but um, unless the property in question is worth a, a ridiculously large sum of money, and I'm talking about uh, unless it's worth um, over like $35 million or something like that. Uh, a gift tax return needs to be filed by the brother doing the quit claim and then reporting that he gave um, this much value to this brother and this much value to this brother over here. There will be no gift tax actually owing because of the very large federal gift tax exclusion amount, currently $11.7 million dollars, per donor, per piece of person making a gift. It's the same dollar amount as the federal estate tax exemption right now. And in fact, the, the gift tax exemption and the estate tax exemption are really the same exemption. It's just one is used while you're alive, one is used after you've died. Any exemption you use during your lifetime is no longer available at death to exempt estate, but the vast majority of families do not have a taxable estate at this time. In other words, their estate's under $11.7 million.
Okay. Can a person make you sell your primary residence that was left in a will to uh, two unrelated people? Said, my stepfather died and left his home equally to my mom and his grandson. This has been my mom's primary residence for 25 years. The grandson is trying to make her sell the house and move. She wants to refinance to buy him out, but he doesn't want to do that. The short answer is the grandson can force the sale of this property uh, by going to court, filing what's called a partition action, because now they're basically partners with each other in this residence. I don't know why the grandson would have a problem with um, with his step-grandmother buying him out. Presumably, he just wants the money. Um, and if he goes to court, orders the property sold, I would think maybe uh, his, his step-grandmother could probably in the same court action say, I'm willing to buy it and basically have the court uh, fix the value so that she can get a loan and buy out the step-grandson. Uh, that's what I would do anyway. Okay, well, coming up on the end of the show today, hope you've had a good time. Hope you have learned some things. Hope some questions have been raised. You can always contact me at lawbob.com, my website. Call me at 408-247-0444 or radio at lawbob.com. Until next Friday, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Have a great weekend, Bay Area. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.